Welcome to the Help My Unbelief podcast, the number one Christian podcast designed for the unbeliever. Hey, Larry. Don't do that to me. I got you, dude. <laughs> Oh, no. It's all falling apart. Now. Why do you take your rings off? Why do you take your rings off? I was doing dishes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dishes and trash? I don't need these falling out. You ever dream about punching people with those? I wouldn't dream about what I've already done. Oh. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wow. Stone Cold Killer over here, dude. <laughs> no. Just past life. We got a we got a new person on the cameras today. We got Beth here today. Oh, so we're started? Yeah, we're, we're seriously. Yeah, what um, do you mean? Nah, don't do it that way. No, we're not starting. No, I'm not doing. No, I'm not starting over again. What? <laughs> you know, people seeing your welcome to our world. You just pointed out that I was knuckle deep in my nose last week. I'm, I, he was recording during that. I don't know. No, no, that was before no. the silent thing, right? So that means you brought it up on air. Yeah, I don't care. I'm picking my nose on air. I don't care. You know it probably wasn't the first time, right? I know it wasn't the first time. Oh, you know it wasn't? But this time, <laughs> your eyeball was bugging. Yeah. What does that mean that I was so far up there? That I was picking my nose so far, my yeah. eyeball was starting to move? Yeah. Dang, dude, that must have been a good one, dude. I want to talk about that real quick. Nose because picking? I feel like everybody <laughs> loves to pick their nose. They don't do it just because it's like an etiquette thing in public. Do you, I mean, everybody likes to pick their nose, right? It's a private issue and it needs to stay that way. <laughs> are you, are you aware that if you eat your boogers, you have a stronger immune system than those people who don't? Well, I couldn't eat them. That's <laughs> As a just, child, perhaps. <laughs> and I can't even eat like weird If you weird drink things. from the garden hose, you're all, you're also... Have a stronger immune system. I still drink from the garden hose. I'm not afraid of a garden hose. That's I grew up yard, with a garden hose. That's because you're a yard guy. You do yard work. Of course yeah. you drink. Sometimes you got to wrench your arm off. And yeah. You know, I drink. always heard if you wash your hands too much, too, that you like you get sick more often and stuff. That's your but generation crap, not ours. I only wash my hands one time in the morning, or unless my hands get like bad like on when I'm roofing and stuff. Like I'll wash them in the evenings. But, yeah, I barely get sick. I rarely get sick. No, but you pass it on to everybody else and let them get of sick course. off of it. Yeah, well, stop washing your hands. Just stop shaking hands with him. So that's what I tell my grandkids, you know, when I see them picking a nose. I say, you're going to eat that now, right? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to waste you it. You don't want to waste it. <laughs> Plus, it makes your immune system stronger. <laughs> I'm going to have heck to pay next time their parents catch. Yeah. <laughs> grandpa yeah. said it's good for me. <laughs> it's it's not vitamins in that jar. It's <laughs> grandpa's booger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go do that at school. Yeah, yeah. What's in the jar, Fred? People's been saying they've they they enjoy our banter at the beginning of the shows, but we just changed that for everybody. I just sit here. um, It's not good. I just sit here uncomfortable the whole time when we're talking when we're bantering. We talked about that's because you don't like personal interaction. We talked about Wonder Twin Testicles activate last week. Yes, I. I told Mark if you could get Larry just to sit there and shake his head like this and looking down, you know it's a good show. <laughs> you know, me and Mark's on one if Larry's in there going, oh, Lord, get me out of here, dude. It was fun, though. It was fun. Um, you know, etiquette and manners were taught in my age. Oh. They quit doing it for Gen X. Did you <laughs> did you prepare some stuff on the... What, I did. What, I what did. were we going to talk the, about? I forgot. Something about the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yes, blasphemy. 
I talked to uh, Pastor Gary. Let's start off with the definition. Well, hold on. Um, set it up. What were we, what were we supposed to talk about? What, he asked us to talk about something. What was it he asked us to talk about? Our guest last week. No, he felt like he had performed blasphemy. And he wanted us and, to talk about and it. And that's why. Blasphemy of what? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, right? I don't know. There's. I don't think he actually, he didn't say blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's no. the unpardonable sin. Yeah. There is a very big difference between those two. Right. Blasphemy and blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unpardonable sin. He was asking about the unpardonable sin. Okay. I'm going to tell you what Pastor Gary said, but I got to set it up kind of sort of, okay? Well, I just want to make sure the audience know what you're fixing to talk about. Okay. Blasphemy. Actually, blasphemy is an English word from the Greek word blasphemeo. It's actually mentioned 37 times in the Bible, 35 times. Blasphemeo, it sounds like a off-brand of power washer. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but blasphemy uh, is actually an English word that its origin starts around 1175 to 1225. Okay, so it's it wasn't, I, I didn't get the Hebrew word of it. All right. So I'm not hundred percent sure what they what the Hebrews would have called it back then. But it's um impious utterance concerning God is the actual definition in the in the dictionary. Right? Now toward Judaism, it's an act of cursing or reviling God. You know what reviling means? No. Downplaying, demeaning. Okay. Mm. Calling God a sadist. Mm, there you go. Yeah. I've done all that probably before. Uh, also, the Hebrews hold in high regard the name Yahweh. That's why they don't even have vowels in it. Okay. They, they won't even say it that way. It's, it's Y-H-W-H. Okay. It's Yahweh. Um, that's, that's actually forbidden for them. Do you know why Yahweh? It's the sound you make, Yahweh. Yeah, your breathing, inhale and exhale. Yeah, it's your breathing. I love that part. I when I too. found that out, I thought, I think that's beautiful. You know what? That it, it actually is because without God, we have no breath. Yeah. You know, um, the manner of using a substitute pronunciation such as Adonai, Adonai, Adonai. Adonai I can't say it the way it is. Adonai. 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 Okay. Yeah, I've heard that. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. I can tell you that it's not uh, Meshach, Reshach, and Abednego. <laughs> it's Abinego, and I know it's not Reshach. No. Couldn't remember them at all. You got a shack and then Reshach mm-hmm. if you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got it. But it's not Abinego, it's Abinego. Oh, no. See, I oh. wouldn't have known that. I Nobody does. Nobody vote. pronounces it right, but that's how it's actually pronounced. And it's actually how it's spelled, but our mind turns it. Yeah. Yeah. But Abinego so sounds like I, a I actually when you said that, then I looked back down at my word that I have written and it was A D and not A N. And I said it A N O D and not A D O N. Well so, then my poor wife when she goes and meets all the characters of the Bible after we go to heaven, 
she's not going to know any of their names because oh, you I were read reading the, her the Bible. I'm reading yeah. her the Bible, and it's a disaster. Dude, the Old Testament is just <laughs> I full of the. I, I got to the point in the Bible study where I was going like this. <laughs> Same thing I did with Lord of the Rings when I when I read it. You know, there's yeah. a lot of those I skipped over. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually I actually was able to watch the Bible study during that time frame, and I did enjoy laughter on my end because it wasn't heard. So right. I, I was enjoying the latter on some of the I stuff would get he was frustrated. To say. I'd be like, I'd be like, I don't want to visit or rename for he made, four hours because dude. he made fun of me on the word podcast when he first came to me because I did not know what a podcast was. He called podcast, po- <laughs> like P O C K A S T podcast. Yeah. You know, I threw the Oki accent for it as well. Uh, in theology, it's the crime of assuming to oneself the rights or qualities of God. Now, that's important right there. I want you to hang on to that. The crime of assuming to oneself the rights or qualities of God. Think about some of the pop culture now oh, yeah. you calling create, their self gods. You create your own reality, speak yeah. it into that existence. Is, that's blasphemy all day long. Yeah, because the only pers- the only thing that can speak anything into existence is the creator. Right, and when... That's why the Hebrews jumped all over Jesus when he said, I am, you know. Because he claimed to be God. And I was before Abraham, you know. And so when he said those kind of things, that's why the Jews just automatically mind blown, right? Right. Well, you know, I mean, considering their history, it was almost like uh, they, what do they call that in police when, when you've been entrapment, it was almost like entrapment because look at everything that went through in the old Testament. They kept going yeah. to alternate gods. You know yeah, what I mean? Uh-huh. And then this guy comes down and claims I am God. I am, yep. you know, in Matthew, it actually says, uh, during this particular point, he's in the temple and, uh, he, he, I mean, he wasn't in the temple, but there was a demon-possessed man that was brought to him. It's a Matthew 12. I'm starting in like 22, but I'm not. I'm just going to touch base, and then I'm going to actually read a verse. The crowd was amazed that Jesus cast out the demon in this particular person, and he, they, the crowd said, you know, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle... They said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Mm. So then in their self, without realizing, they just perform blasphemy. Right. Because blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is assigning, how am I going to say this, uh, assigning miracles that Christ or God performs to Satan. To Satan. Right. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Oh, so oh. blasphemy, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is um, when the Holy Spirit um, does a miracle in your life or whatever, then you attribute that miracle to Satan. All right. Very then interesting. You, you, yeah. I've never heard it explained like that ever. That's crazy. That's that's the one where that's the what I've found what I found out, you know, if do your own study. But what I found through that by doing that, you and assigning something—that's what that Satan God did. has done—and you give the credit to Satan and or yourself. Even do you think 
I know. You, you think it's possible? You got to stop and think about that. And or yourself. You just elevate yourself above God, above God when yeah. you take credit for anything that he, you've mentioned in this. And I, and I thank you for recognizing that I am, I'm going to say it this way. You have brought that up when we halfway through this past year that you've noticed in me that I give credit to God. I mm-hmm. have to, I have no credit for myself without God. I'm nothing without God. Garcia would not have came to God. Not without Larry. Without Larry, she would <laughs> nothing. I had no, no part in that. I make it very clear that Darcy is come to the Lord was solely through God because, man, that's the only thing I ever got out of God's way for. And that's all I could do. That's what I was fixing to say was that the only, like, because I've I've been reading that Bible verse because I I've been struggling the last month at least about this whole loving God thing and because I've I'm at a crossways point where I've got to change my relationship with God or I'm gonna go the other way I have to have to have to have to I, I'm at this point you know and I know exactly what I have to do and from your story right there I can tell that you would have never learned to love God if you didn't give him full control. The whole knocking doors thing right now, I'll talk about it now where I'm at. I'm going to have to knock doors, but him having to knock, having me knock doors doesn't have anything to do with knocking doors. It has to do with submission. You remember I told Darcia sat right there and I got real upset and I got real like defensive and stuff like that was because what I was saying was true. God tells me to do stuff all the time. And it's overwhelming. It's an, it's annoying. It's all the time. It's constant. I'm not like you, bro. Like, I'm not like you like that. Doesn't that would excite you. If God told you to do stuff like that all the time, it makes me uncomfortable. I want to just curl up in a little hole in the corner. I want to be left alone. I want to go to work. I want to talk to my friends every now and then want to show love to people. And I want to go home. Um, but God tells me to do stuff all the time and I don't want to do it. I do not want to do it. I don't. I don't want to be told what to do constantly. It's just it makes me uncomfortable. You know why? Why? Well, cuz I haven't came to the end of myself yet. No, it's because you won't humble yourself. I know. Before the I Lord. know. That's what I'm saying that and when and you I, get I to know, the point when you get to the point, Zach, that you can actually understand what it means to humble yourself, then pride will no longer be part of you. When pride loses its hold on you? Yeah. You, then you've humbled yourself before the Lord. When I listen and to your, he, and you called out to Him, and He will heal your land. And your land, my friend, is not the property yeah. you live on. Your land is your heart. He's already told me He would if I would just obey Him. He already told me that because, like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy at all in my life anymore at all. I'm not he, happy. He can't let you be happy. And no, well, I, it has nothing to do with like He's trying to make. He told me what I have to do to re- receive that, but I just haven't been doing it. But. Like I, I watch your stories and I know that like if you wouldn't have listened to God and, and it was probably hard for you to give up control of your wife at that time, but you had gotten to a point where that was your only option as well. But you wouldn't have learned to love God if you wouldn't have done that, if you wouldn't have gave up and gave him. Like I'm not giving God the opportunity to show why I, sh- why I should love him. I'm not giving him the opportunity because I'm, in, I'm keeping control of my life. 
I'm keeping control of it. I'm not even giving him a chance to show me what God can do in my life because I'm I'm not obeying it. Does that make sense? Not even giving him the opportunity. You gave him the opportunity. And I, I think, bet it was hard. I, I bet it was hard for you. I think it's Elijah. Was it Elijah that came in and asked the widow to make him a cake before she made hers? Right? Okay, okay. With Elijah, when he comes in and he says, you know, this woman's getting ready to make her last meal, and he says, hey, bring me some. He didn't say, bring me some and God will bless you. He said, bring me some. And in her obedience and ignorance, she didn't know what this meant. She just meant, it doesn't matter if I'm feeding him. I'm getting ready to eat the last and die anyway. So it doesn't matter, right? And if I recall correctly, she was a Gentile, right? She wasn't even a Jew, right? So she fed, did I say Ezekiel? You said Elijah. Elijah, okay. So she fed Elijah first, and through that obedience, the oil flowed. Mm-hmm. Okay? Out of her obedience came her blessing. Mm. Yeah. Quit questioning God, Zach. I know, man. It's just... It, Quit questioning I wish, God. I wish you could be in my mind. It's not as easy as it looks. It's not as easy as it looks. I don't know. But you I don't have, know why. You have but. example after example after example after example after yeah. example in this church of people who have finally given their heart holy yeah not h-o-l-y but w-h-o-l-y holy completely all in yeah. when you do that god blesses that yeah, every i know bit of it i know that's what i'm saying like that i sit here and think about where i'm at right now i sit here and think and i listen to your story about how i can tell how you love god but now i'm thinking like why how did he come there? I'm analyzing all this stuff. And then when you cry just now and you talk about, and it's like, well, he's crying and he loves God because it's not because God just intervened in your life and without your permission, like you asked God to be there. He gave you something to do and then you did it. And the same thing he's doing, the same thing he's doing with me right now. I'm asking God to intervene. He's given me something to do. And the only difference between me and you is I'm not doing what he's given you to do. Right. Let and me let me read 31. Go ahead. Okay, this is where I was trying to get to here. This is Matthew 12 and 31. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy, okay? What was his name last week? Uh, who, Whose name? Rick. 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 Right? Yeah, Rick. 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 Listen to me. Rick was a man. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Right. Except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. He was concerned last week about him doing the act of blasphemy. Cursing is the act of blasphemy. Cursing God is the act of blasphemy. I've done that because I was mad at Madden 97 whenever yeah. I was playing football games back in the day. Yeah. You know, I, and I did in, in my world as well. And it's been forgiven. I've been forgiven for that. God would not use me if he held that against me. Yeah, no. Right? Yeah. But I, there's a hardening of the heart. And I got verse after verse after verse here. 
Okay, and I, I'm not going to go in there. If you want them, look them up, right? Ephesians 4.18, Hebrews 3, 7 and 8, 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 4, John 12, 48. Okay, these are about hardening your heart. The farther you get away from God, the more that you turn your back on him and the more that you reject what he's telling you to do. It's like an onion. You're growing a layer. You're growing a layer on your heart. And when you harden your heart in Revelations, in Revelation 6, it actually tells you at a certain point you're going to harden your heart so much God can There's no longer no work with back, it. Yeah. Doesn't it say that it gi- so when you gives die, you up? He gives you, you up to your own desires or something like that? The blasphemy that sends you into in, into a unforgiveness completely for eternity, right? Is if you're in the acts of act of blasphemy and you die, then you have no way of being forgiven. You have to ask for forgiveness for your sins in the flesh. So you're saying you're saying um, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit isn't a one time you do it one now. I'm, oh my gosh, I made this huge mistake and I'll never be forgiven. It's not like a one time thing. It's a thing that takes time and um, consistent and continual rebellion. Is that what you're saying? It's not a one time thing. The reason that a lot of these people have a heart a hard heart now is because God has turned them over to their own desires. Mm-hmm. And and they're not turning back anyway. God is in this. God is he was or God was he is and he always will be. He's already been to the end. He was at the beginning and he's already been to the end. He's in here in the middle. He's every so he already knows what the outcome is. He knows that I'm either going to go to heaven or hell. He already knows that. You should know too, right? I know that now. Yeah, I'm not. I was I lived far away from the Lord, but I never. I can honestly say I I I mean I blasphemed, but I didn't ever say that there was no God. So one, I I never questioned that there was a God. I never have either. I've never just um, out of my mouth. It came in here before, um, like. Well, I yeah. I mean, I talked yeah. even before this podcast. I talked to enough atheists that it was like. That's just the stupidest idea. I mean, even when somebody would say it to me, I'm like, yeah, that's just stupid. Mm-hmm. I've actually thought that. I haven't thought it was stupid, but like now that atheists and talk, like I can kind of understand because I've been like um, speaking to them long enough now to where I like, I'm like, okay, I kind of, I get why they don't believe. Well, you now, used like, to laugh at this equation. Zero plus zero is zero. Oh, it's just cheesy. Yeah, it is cheesy, but, but it's it may, also simple saying, math right? that everybody can understand. Yeah. Without something, you cannot have something. Yeah. So do I know the beginning of God? No, not now when I get to heaven. But mm-hmm. what does it take for me to believe that God exists? It's Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, you can't please God. What is faith? It's the substance of things hope for that i don't see i don't see god i also don't see oxygen and no scientist i'm not going to look under a, a microscope so i can separate the molecules i don't see oxygen but i trust at each breath that i take that's not in the water that i will be able to take a breath of oxygen and i will emit carbon dioxide that the plants have to have 
and they make the oxygen for me that I have to have. And all this came about accidentally. I cannot comprehend that. Yeah. No way can I, I and I'm only on average intelligence and a lot of common sense. Yeah. I can't, I can't picture that. Did we discuss that, that, uh, that clip that's out there, it's talking about, are we living in a simulation? How light particles, if they're not observed are particles, but if they're observed, they turn into waves. And even if you try to hide that you're observing them, they know it. And what's can what, literally, what, 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 say that again. There's this YouTube video. It's uh, you, if you just do, do a search on, are we living in a simulation? And it's a it's about uh, um, what are they physics not physics quantum physics and they they shot they shoot light particles through a slot and as long as they don't observe the other end um, they land as particles if they put a camera or a measuring unit where they observe it they turn into waves. They put a camera unit where they can observe it and don't power it on. They go as particles. They power it on. They come in as waves. So in other words, it's there's something much deeper out here that none of us. The Bible says, what's the verse? We only see as, as a reflection of reality dimly. It's like looking through a mirror dimly or glass dimly. We only see a reflection of what it really is. And I mean, that's yeah. why I just totally agree with Larry, man. You know, this is, there's something, the spiritual realm is real and it's that, all around us. That's why I think, um, I think the days before the flood, I think those humans were probably a million times more advanced than us because I read the, um, you know, the story of the tower of Babel, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, the whole reason why God separated them was because they were building some sort of tower, right? The author was writing the best that he could and to try to reach God. No, and, not to try to reach God. They were going to make sure that a flood couldn't wipe them out again. They became arrogant. They said... No, the Tower of Babel... Uh, no, it was to reach above the floodwaters. They said, we're not going to... We're not... We're going to build something... That, that God can, can't, could, that, that can't God, destroy. Yeah, that God can't destroy by a flood. Oh, well, that sucks. And so God's God said, look what happens when they unite. Look how arrogant they become. And that's where we got all the languages of the earth, all the races. Oh, that sucks. Everything came from there. That sucks. Exactly. Okay. Well, that ruins the whole thing then. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I've been sitting here for years thinking that the Tower of Babel, they they were uh, they built it. Yeah, it says the Tower of Babel explains the origins of multiplicity. God was concerned that humans had blasphemed by building a tower to avoid a second flood. Yes. Uh, they perform blasphemy. Put themselves above think God. That, think that through. Right. And what did he do? He separated them so that he could forgive them. The point that... At the flood, there was no righteousness left except for Noah. That's talking about that's talking about wanting to stay in your sin right there, bud. Like if if you're doing something, you know God's gonna come for you, and so instead of repenting, you build a whole tower to a well. This son of a gun's gonna yeah. sit a flood, but we're yeah. gonna miss it. Do you really think that tower, from where it was built, okay? Do you really think that it would have been taller than Mount Everest? 
No, I don't. I don't. No. All right. Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have been. I'm sure he was chuckling, but he said, "Yeah, I got." Well, that sucks, yeah. dude. I thought the Tower of Babel was they're, they're building a tower to reach God, and I thought oh, they were going to get it done. Okay, that sucks. Now, now they didn't. <laughs> you said that they were so far advanced than we were. Well, now I don't know. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, That's I, what I thought. I'm, I'm rebuting or re, refuting, refuting that yeah. for you. Um, at a certain point, do you know about the oxygen levels in the thinner atmosphere? In the thinner atmosphere? What yeah, does that yeah, mean? Like up there? Uh, yeah, like 40,000 feet. They wouldn't have been able to breathe. Right. Right. Okay? Yeah. At a certain point, they were going to have to stop anyway, and that's before they got to the ozone. Well, well, well that's what point is they could have had space suits. Yeah. Well, because I read an article recently well, that... Yeah. yeah, I forgot they were more advanced than that. Right. Well, hold on. What I was reading was, I read an article. This was going to tie this all together. I read an article about how um, science has shown that at... Um, Something could stop you from aging, and it has to do with speed. Like, speed. Not anything else, but speed literally can stop time. Sure. So your aging could stop if you were traveling at a certain speed. Sure, that's right? the whole deal of once you, yeah. So that's why I thought that they could, um, they could maybe they figured out this math equation of where they could find something to, to go a certain speed and then stop aging or find a way to God in a different dimension and stuff you like that. You know where they got that? That's because they put an atomic clock. Now, wait a minute. I'm getting that confused because it's they say time slows closer to gravity. It speeds up further away from gravity. So never mind. And if you don't think the pyramids... They say a lot of things. Wait a minute. I don't believe And if you don't think it. the pyramids are stationed where they are in perfect synchronicity are just tombs, then... You crazy girl. Well, Here we go. You know, I we used go. to think that I, I used to think I drove pretty fast, but apparently I drove faster than I thought I did because I like really good for 80. Right. Exactly. Larry, Larry no. bent time and space. <laughs> you did not figure out the time thing, Larry. Larry oh, met man. Doctor Who one yeah. time when he was about 140 out there. Uh, <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. Everybody with a Roadrunner lives a little longer. Hey, what year Sorry. was Buck Rogers in? Ooh, man, 1970. No, I mean, where was he from? Oh. Are we close? Roger. Yeah. I don't 1929. Oh, that's the original Buck Rogers. I was No, we're talking about what time did he come from? Buck Rogers is a science fiction adventure hero and feature comic strip created by Philip Francis Nolan, first appearing in daily U.S. newspapers on January 7th. 1929. But what Where? What, what was it set in? What was somehow, it? Somehow he's missing the question. Yes. What time frame was Buck Rogers supposedly? He came back from. to this time frame from what time frame? He was a time traveler. Was he? Was it the 25th century or the... Uh, or the 2500. William, William Buck Rogers is a jovial space cowboy who has accidentally time warped from 18 or 1987 to 2491. Wait, wait, wait. 1987? <laughs> no, he was warped from 1987 to, to the year 2491. Okay. Oh, so another few hundred years. Well, I thought Buck Rogers came from there here. I wonder who the writer came up with. Till twenty four ninety one. I don't know. I don't know. But but haven't we already passed the year that uh, McFly went to? Oh yeah. Yeah. What year was that? That was like I don't know. That was like a couple years ago. Was it twenty seventeen? Twenty eighteen maybe. I thought it was twenty nineteen. We know. all did seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 
Guess what? What? It doesn't look like the movie you said it would. No. But they did predict Donald Trump winning president, I think. Oh, no. That was The Simpsons. They predict everything. Yeah. You watch The Simpsons? Nope. I think it's stupid. But I have. Explain that. you You can't see. You can't look get on Facebook without seeing the clips all the time about this was predicted, this was predicted, this was predicted. And so when you watch it, you go, eh, wow. Hmm. Mm. They even named it COVID, put it right in your face, and you still didn't believe them. Larry, what's what's something in your life right now that you're trying to, like, get better at? Walking? No, I mean something like because we. But Mark worked with me for three days. Okay, we, he knows. We yeah okay, but well, I mean like something that you're doing that you don't consider the most Christian, like that you want that you're trying to get better at. What's the number one thing that pops your head when I ask you that question? This is gonna sound crazy to you. I would like to have more time to delve into the word. And talk to people about the word. Yeah. It, listen, I'm, I get so wrapped up in those devotionals in the morning that I really wish that my, I have to get up and move around because my body, I can't sit that long. I read the whole chapter of James and it was like not enough. Yeah. Once you start the meal of the word, you can't get enough of it. How many hours a day do you think you have right now to devote towards it? I would. I don't have a lot of time to devote to it. I, but, I, I but devote you want, an hour, hour and a, You I, want all day. You want to do this full time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would love to be able to. I don't. I just want to help people find God. Yeah. I want, I want to help people find the God that I know. Yeah. Not some mythological God that's out there that you don't believe in. I, I know this God. I, I, I would, I would love for, for, I remember when I first started this and I read Moses was a friend of God's. I want to be a friend of God. I want that. I want that kind of relationship where it's not, I go to pray to God or I go to serve God that I'm serving God with everything that I do. That sounds arrogant and it sounds prideful and it sounds wrong in so many different ways, but that's my desire. I I don't, I don't want my body is getting to the point where I physically, I can't take much more. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was with me. He saw the up and down was enough to kill me. But, you know, what he didn't see was my shoulders from doing this all day long. I, oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. It been horrible. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, but but God gave me the strength to come here last night, and I, w- I helped with the, the ladies' uh, Christmas party. I just, I, I just want to serve God and whatever, if whatever way he wants me to, if, if, if he wants me to clean the bathrooms, I'll clean the bathrooms. I don't have a problem with that. Whatever he wants me to do. I just want to be with God. There you go. 
Okay, let's get to our guest today. We're at 36. Um, her name is Catherine. Um, I, I believe she's a struggling believer. She's She believes in God, um, but she's been struggling lately. I, I think um, we don't know a whole lot about her like normal, but we're Catherine excited. Catherine with the C or Catherine with the K? I think K. Um, so let's, let's just talk to her so we can get the truth so I don't sit here saying a bunch of false stuff. How about that? Okay, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, she's in both ears now. Yay. Woo. Yeehaw. Okay, Catherine, right? Turn me up a little bit. Um, yeah, Catherine. Okay. Sorry, I'm the deaf one without hearing aids in, so oh. I'm asking for a little bit more volume. Catherine's Catherine's been sick, so she has to kind of talk a little quiet, so we have to bear with that. So if we have to turn the volume up a little bit. Okay. Um I'll do my best. Really, it's the potential hacking that you might have to worry about. No, that's fine. Larry does that all the time just from just because he's old, not because yeah. he's sick. Yeah. Nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever watched our show before, Catherine? Um, I listened to two episodes. Oh, nice. When I first corresponded with you. And so you kind of get the concept and what we do in the show and stuff like that? Yes, yeah. Okay. No, turn me up. Um, good deal. Okay, we're the Help My Unbelief podcast. Uh, we we're we're specifically designed for people that don't believe in God or don't believe the same thing as us or people that's struggling and uh, with their belief and stuff like that. Um, we don't debate here. We just have conversations in in love. Essentially, we don't believe in arguing and getting angry and stuff like that. So um, we're, we're just looking for a conversation. That's it. Um, I want to go around the room and introduce everybody to you. That way you don't have any voices that um, catch you off guard. So um, i got my executive producer, Mark, here. Hey, Catherine. Got my buddy, Larry. Hello, Catherine. And then my name, Hello, my name is Zach. I'm the young and vibrant one that you see on, on the clips and stuff like that. I love that for you. <laughs> she said, I love, I love that, that for you. you. Uh -oh, I might have met my match here, right. boys. <laughs> Did she actually whistle? No, that, no, that was, was that was you. Yeah. Okay. We need to get one of those like um, things on the box yeah, to where it just whistles effect. whenever I do my. You know what I mean? No. Every time I talk, no. You okay. know I'm not. A little uh, soundboard material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was it. No. no. There you go. There it is. <laughs> yeah. that, um, that's, Catherine. That's more so, it's fantasy, right? So right. what we'll do is we're we're just gonna talk. We're just gonna talk for I don't know. I mean, it usually takes about an hour, and then towards the end of that, um, what we do is we'll we'll all go around and say something in parting to you, and then because you're our guest, you'll get the last um the last saying. We call it the rounds. We'll do the rounds where everybody will say something. And because you're our guest, you're going to get the final statement of the it day. It sounded so. like what he wants to do is interview you, but to be honest with you, we just want to have a conversation. There you go. Good deal. So uh, it's to my understanding that you, you're you a struggling, do you believe in God, but you're struggling right now? I would say that I'm in a place where I don't really, I guess, evaluate whether I do or don't. I think like if I truly had to like, place a label on myself, I would say, I guess that I am an agnostic who is performing as a believer and falls on the side of like, I mean, hopefully God's real. Right. Um, and I've heard too, like there was a lot of debate about canonizing mother Teresa specifically because she had doubt. So I don't think that 
agnosticism and belief are necessarily different. Like, I think they're two sides of the same coin. Like, you can hold two things in your hand, if that makes sense. Well, we're, I mean, I think we could all agree just from, we've done 50, 54, 55 episodes, however many of this is. And when we first started the word agnostic, because so many people that we disagreed with, we got super uncomfortable about, but like we've all considered ourselves agnostic about certain points of Christi- Christianity. So that's not some word that scares us anymore or makes us uncomfortable. Like but I think um, we actually just pastor pastor Kevin preached on um, doubt this last week. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, I've talked about this before and I want to say this man. And I think, I think one of the biggest detriments to Christianity is lukewarm Christians pretending like they have this superb and powerful relationship with God when they don't, because we all will figure that out. Eventually we all will see that we'll see through it. They're, they're pretending like they they've got it all together. You first meet that Christian and you go, Oh, I want to be like them, man. I wish I could have a relationship with God like them. That's the guy I need to go off. And then you get closer to him. And you realize it was all an act, you know, mm-hmm. that's a huge detriment. And then you blame what you saw in that person on God when God really didn't have anything to do with it. it was that person living a dishonest relationship with God. That's why I now and what I do, I come in front of this microphone and I'm not going to be a stumbling block for somebody else. I'm going to tell you exactly what I believe in, what I don't believe in, when I'm doubting, when I should do something and I'm not, because I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be fake. I don't want to come here and talk on this microphone and act like I'm some big old, powerful, strong, have-it-all-together Christian because I'm not. I have lots of doubts. I have lots of problems. And I'll tell you about it. And I'm I'm trusting in God to work through those, if that makes sense. So what you're trying to say is that you don't want makeup. No. Before you go on the camera. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. you know, typically that's what we do is we use the makeup to cover up our blemishes, right? Yeah. I mean, we use spirituality, man-made spirituality to cover up the blemishes that we have yeah. so that others can't see them. And I think it's cool, too, because how Catherine, I, it really is unique what you're saying how in a position you're in right now. It's almost like the word I'm coming up with is like almost almost apathy but maybe it's not apathetic where you're just like yeah i don't really i don't really care to do something about whether or not there's a god i hope there is but eh. does that kind of describe it a little bit um i don't think that apathy would be i guess the correct almost i think it's more of a utilitarian approach where whether i like have this intense belief or not isn't really relevant to what I'm trying to do with Christianity, which is to hold this kind of common narrative with a community of people that provides meaning and also, um, yeah, just shared spirituality that leads to community and also meaning. What do you what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? Who who he is and or, and who he was? Who do you what do you think of him? I think that Jesus represents, like, the worship of Jesus is kind of on par with the worship of selflessness, and I think that that's a very admirable thing. Um, I think that Jesus is often misrepresented in terms of his ideals or what 
like, I guess in my community, I see a lot of like Jesus guns life kind of signs. And I, I don't think that's a fair representation or, um, politicization, word, but being like Republican Jesus, you know, where I think that that ends up being extremely isolating and doesn't actually communicate what's written from both the mouth of Jesus, but also about him within the text. Yeah. Basically where they're trying to lump Jesus in with like a specific, um, ideology or group and say, we claim him and you can't have him whenever he himself would have rejected that. Do you consider yourself spiritual, Catherine? What do you mean by spiritual? Because that's such a nuanced word, and I think that different people are bringing different things forward. I know that you're Pentecostal. Um, I come from a Reformed background, and so spirituality looks very, I guess, different within that practice than it does for Pentecostals, despite the fact that like we're all Protestants. We believe, so I, at least I'll say, I'll speak for myself. I believe that I have something inside of me called the Holy Spirit that's guiding me or at least attempting to guide me, um, through life. And it's something that speaks to us all the time. Um, it's something that we, you know, it's even says the Holy Spirit can pray to us. So, um, in our terms, like works, we're, we're we think something's always going on in the spiritual realm, and everything that happens is something um, is a part of some much bigger um, thing that we can't see. And so, I, you could probably call that hyper spiritual. You know, we're probably the Pentecostals, the most spiritual, you know, people out there. Well, maybe not, but we're we're pretty spiritual. Um, Do you need a shovel? What? Because you're, you're digging pretty deep. No, I'm just saying, I'm just speaking. But um, so we're we're spiritual. I don't know. I'm just saying I don't know. There might be some like crazy people in in Europe that do some crazy spiritual stuff. I don't know. But um, do, do you believe in the spiritual world? And do you do you try to navigate with the spiritual world in mind? Or you like? Do you understand what I'm asking there? I do. Yeah, I do. Um. So I guess what I would say is I've been personally burned by seeing a lot of people equate their personal intuition with the Holy Spirit operating within them, whether that's through kind of speaking on behalf of God or kind of attributing things that it happened to them that would also happen to someone who has no spiritual practice, but then equating that with the Holy Spirit and that has led to, in many cases, kind of political convictions, like the Holy Spirit is leading you in this direction, even when it ends up contrasting what with what's inside of the text, if that makes sense. No, so I think for me, spirituality yeah. looks a lot like finding spiritual rhythms, whether that's expressing gratitude before a meal or trying to, almost like, it's like, it's like, no, we're adults. Santa Claus is not real, but we make Santa Claus real and provide that experience to children by um, sometimes, like, I don't know what your practice with that is, but providing a gift and, like, helping them also be like, hey, like, you can be Santa Claus to someone. And for me, like, I've compared that for myself to my spiritual practice where I can make Jesus real to adults by 
recreating these sort of spiritual practices of like serving or just speaking love in situations where you would not anticipate love to be the response um, and just providing space for for anyone. I really try to make my house a house of belonging for whoever might want to come share space with me. Yeah. I th- So what you just said in the beginning about where you you saw people equating their personal experiences with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what I meant by lukewarm Christians pretending to have a relationship with God when it's fake, because that's, that's what I meant that I think that those people are the biggest detriment to Christianity because I had a buddy, um, a couple years ago that I knew he was getting catfished um, by a person on the internet and I hadn't found a way to tell him yet. I haven't found the heart. He was really in love with this girl quotation mark. And I hadn't, no, that's brutal. I hadn't found a way to tell him yet that that was happening, but it was very obvious that it was happening. Very obvious. There was <laughs> no question. He was getting catfished. I just didn't have the heart to tell him yet. And he told he just me, cut off. Um, he told me, can you hear me now? Yes. He told me that the Holy Spirit told him that, that that was his wife and then that was going to be his wife forever. And that's, this guy was, is one of the more spiritual. I'm not going to say who it is, but he's one of the more spiritual people I know. And he's very connected. That's why I'm very careful to say the Holy Spirit told me this or the Holy Spirit told me that because I just don't want to be that stumbling block because that that made me take a pause for a second because I was like, you are a spiritually connected. He is a spiritually connected person, a big time one. And that he said a false piece of information there. You know, sometimes we swing and we miss on information like that. And it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. It it's it made me super uncomfortable for a little while. I didn't really know how to process that. You know what I mean? It, it made me very uncomfortable. I didn't like it. Like I was like, man, like he got this wrong. That's why me, just for me, I know if I'm going to attribute something to the Holy spirit, I want to be very careful because you can be a stumbling block to people. If you're just basically, how do I say that? You're just, I don't know, pissing in the wind. You know, and sometimes, sometimes you're not. Is that I don't couldn't think anything else to premature, say. Premature, I know. <laughs> I'm not gonna, no, I'm I, not I know what you're saying, man. Larry's Larry's pulling my reins. It didn't yeah. even take the Holy Spirit. Larry's face that. is turning red <laughs> over here. We are a Christian podcast. Listen, it's all good. If the it's Holy, all good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you're good. If the Holy Spirit told you, I was, I was you, affirming what he said. Yeah. If the Holy Spirit tells you something, and or somebody tells you that the Holy Spirit told them to tell you, or whatever, you still weigh it against the word. One doesn't glorify God. If it does not glorify God, then discount it. Be yeah. done with it. Go back to the word. Everything goes back to the word. Yeah. Test, test the spirits. The word says. That's right. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I, I just, I identify with what she's saying there because how it made her feel, how oh, yeah. it makes her feel. Oh, it, it infuriates me when I see a pastor 
<clears throat> Sorry, I'm, I'm from the age of the televangelist. And Holy Spirit tells you that if you send me $100 right now, then, you know, I can't imitate them because I refuse. That was a really bad one. Yeah. Really? The Holy Spirit says you'll bless that person if they... If they buy your and you don't even know water. who that person is, so you're talking to everybody with an earshot. No, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't get it. Do you guys know who Kenneth Copeland is? Yes. Have you seen the trailer for his new movie? I don't pay attention. It all. Oh, are are you Catherine? Have you seen it? Uh, yes. You've seen the trailer for his new movie. It's. I mean, he's a charlatan, dude. It almost seems not real. Kenneth Copeland is starring in a new movie, and he is a dr Mexican drug lord. And he has a Spanish accent and everything. And it's just, dude, what? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Wow. It's really happening. Yeah. Anyway, I'll have to show you guys the trailer after this. It's, hila it's hilarious. It's, it's not okay. But uh, anyway. <laughs> so Catherine, what um it sounds like were you raised give how were you raised were you raised catholic no no reformed which i guess is kind of like catholic but without the tradition and kind of the aesthetic mm. how so long has it been, like, how long has it been since you've been to church Catherine? um i was actually at church about a month ago why'd you go th then uh, because I periodically teach Sunday school. Okay. So, like, when I tell you that I really am, like, performing to the best of my ability, I I am. Um, and I do, like, I teach the curriculum. Um, but in the meantime, there's still, it, it does feel very performative, if that makes sense. It just sounds like you're doing, it sounds like you're doing what the rest of us are doing. You're just doing it out loud though you know what i mean like i think we all have struggles like what you're having like you're 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 being the christian that the best that, that you can and you're but you're just talking about it you're talking about your struggles and and you're being out loud about it before you're not supposed to you're not supposed to do that because then that makes you look weak you know but in my opinion the people that are struggling in silence and pretending to be way and nothing they're the weak ones you know, we're the strong ones, like, because I think you're normal to have these thoughts and doubts, if you want to call them. Do you think, you think when, um, you know, cause Jesus was fully human, right? Whenever he found out what his calling was, do you think he didn't have some like doubts pop up? Like, you don't think he had some human emotion attached to that? Well, at 12, he knew he needed to be about the father's business. So whatever that doubt was, was probably in his real youth. I mean, like, you know, I, it, it doesn't really talk about no, that it in doesn't. the Bible. That's what I'm saying. Between the time that he was born and the time that, you know, that he was 12 when he got lost or, you know, left behind at well, the temple most for three of these days. Biblical prophets, God gives them a task and it shows them just doing it, but it doesn't, that doesn't show the in between, but it, sometimes we put ourselves on these. Except for Jonah. Yeah, Jonah. and Moses. <laughs> oh yeah, Moses had doubt. But yeah, it's just I don't know. What 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 kind of church do you teach Sunday school in? Reformed. UMC, 
No, no, I am not reformed at this point. Why'd you say it like that? Why you you don't you don't agree with reformed theology at all? Oh. I think we lost her. Call her back. Well, she she left, but she's in. She's back in. Okay. Welcome back. Reformed uh, theology. Yeah, that my my question was because um, whenever I asked you about reformed theology, you said no. You said it real quick. That's what I said. Do you like? Do you just like? You have a disdain for reformed theology now? I would say as many gray areas as I hold, the reformed church would not want me in it if I articulated. Um, many yeah. of my stances. And I mean, to a degree too, I think like, like the Christian church can claim me to a point, but also if there are no or very few hills that I'm willing to die on theologically, if that makes sense. I, I think really, I tend to be a very maybe kind of person. Um, and there are certainly things that I will advocate for, but in terms of like, I guess hard, like this is, the truth kind of statements about abstract concepts. I'm not eager to make those black and white claims. And I think that that for the reformed church, which, which is very like facts and logic and evaluating, it's really, it's bringing logic to the Bible and working out doctrine from that using almost exclusively logic. Um, yeah. But you're not allowed to think not, there. Yeah. It's interesting, Catherine. I I hear you saying, see, I, I came from a denomination that's very conservative, has some very tight views about the proper days, the proper diets, all things that I think Paul, was it Paul that said, do not argue over disputable matters? Yeah. I think that he was addressing that. And and so, I, I you know, you talk about Hill's, that dot that you die on the only one that I've got the only the only hill that I'm willing to die on is the hill that G- God delivered the law in the Old Testament he fulfilled the law through becoming man he paid the penalty for my sin by dying and he rose for my redemption and res and, and my resurrection so that I may have eternal life. So that's your uh, only theological hill you're willing to die. That one. Uh, yeah, that's it for me. He, he died. He, Jesus says the only way of the father is through me and he died so that I, I died all the penalties for my sin died with him. And it says in the Bible that as long as I believe that he was a son of God, he died for my sins and has gone to heaven. Then, then I'm saved. That's that's a good hill to, to die on. Yeah, I, I, and, I guess I agree. But that, Catherine, you said you have very few hills you die on theologically. What? Give me one of yours. One hill to die on. Yeah, one hill you would be willing. Just I, you, just a whatever it is. I don't care. I'm just interested. I guess I'm big on the golden rule. And I think that that is a pretty easy hill to die on. I really, it becomes complicated. I think everyone should examine but really with the golden rule, it's only poison to yourself, honestly. And that, 
I think that's why it's a good hill to die on. Yeah. Um, I'm disconnecting Wi-Fi real quick. I might, I might pause like for five seconds. One second. Sure. Okay. Good. While you're pausing, I'm just going to say, yeah, there's lots of hills, but to me, and that's just me without Christ, then none of those other things matter. Yeah. But you know, that's why it's interesting to hear Catherine say that I was wondering myself what, what her line in the sand was. What is it? What is it? Your fundamental beliefs do you believe in Christ, Catherine? Do you believe that he was she he was the son of God and died and was resurrected? I don't know. That's why I am not confident that the church can really accurately accurately claim me. I will perform as though Christ is, but I don't know that that's a hill that I'm confident I would die on. Dude, I love that. I love that though. I love that about you right now. I love that you're you're being honest about that because I think so many times people are being fake about it. And if I think you're being fake about it, then there's no way you're ever going to come to know the truth. Mm. Does that make sense? If mm-hmm. you're being inauthentic and you're feeling the way Catherine's feeling mm-hmm. and then you just lie about it, you will never, ever ever come to know the truth because you're you're starting from a dishonest place and you're well just eventually gonna... it'll drive you out of the arms of god because yeah. you're not being honest with yourself and others yeah i feel i feel no i don't feel anything about Catherine's position right now i just feel very confident that she's just i love where she's at she's just being honest about where she's at she can't help where she's at she can't she can't make herself feel a certain way but she's speaking about it She's speaking on it and saying, like, I don't know, man. I, you know, I'll say this. I claim you. Well, thank you, Zach. So if that means anything, I claim you. Because I, I talked to these guys. I've talked on this podcast several times um, about my struggles. And, um, and I'm at a point right now where, like, I'm at a point right now where I, I do, I almost know God exists. And... And he speaks to me quite a bit. But my problem is, is I say I agree with him and I believe that he's good and he has the, um, my best interest in mind. But if that were actually true, because for example, my wife could say she loves me all day long, but if she smacks me in the face with a plate, every time I walk in the door, would I think my wife loved me? Well, you're going to start to doubt it. Yeah. Well, you know, I say quit using the rooster plates. They're my favorite into something entirely different from what intuitively makes sense to you in terms of what love looks like. Yeah. Let me, um, if you don't mind, Catherine, how old are you? Uh, I'm 28. Okay. What part of the country are you in? Midwest. That's like, oh, that's, that's us, right? Kind of. No, it's north, north, north of us. North of us. Okay. Yeah, we're Mid-South. We're center. I feel like we're just dead center. I know, but it's still called Mid-South. Right. Oh. But you Great Plains-ish. <clears throat> right. I'm, I'm adjacent to Appalachia. Oh, very cool. Appalachia adjacent. I'm going to say, ah, like I know where that's at. Oh, nice. Beautiful that time of year. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's probably um, super cold. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of like on the edge of, of the Midwest. Yeah. 
I mean, that's like yeah. kind of sort of back and forth there. Why'd you ask that where she's from? Um, no discernible accent. Her speech is not super fast, so I know it's not from the Northeast. It's clear. I mean, she's enunciating correctly. She doesn't have any Southern drawl. She doesn't doesn't have a drawl, right? Um, So You want to know one thing I noticed about you from last episode? Is you are doing far more analyzing. When he's being quiet, he's doing far more analyzing of people than I could have ever imagined. How you picked up on what that guy told you is still blows my mind. I'm like, I'm supposed to be the detective. And you be like told this guy's life story. He's like, well, yeah, that's true. And I'm like, how was that true? What are you talking about? I think that's a pure example of how the, the spirit, you know, um, can, can reveal. Yeah. There you got some insight there. I don't know. Blew my mind, dude. Cause you're doing a lot of analyzing, you know, through it. Well, I, I'm not of her age group. Not even close. I, could very easily offend her because she's of that age group that somewhat is easily offended. <laughs> and I'm of the age group that typically doesn't care. But you don't I'm know my she's best easily not offended, to. though. No, I'm, I'm saying she's of the age group. I'm not personally talking about her. I'm talking about her age group. Right. Did you say you agree with him? Don't agree with him. It's the truth. Oh, no, I said, can I briefly interrupt? I oh, was yeah. uh, Yes. Yes, go ahead. I... What I've found is that between the generations, there are, like in saying that I'm from a generation like that gets easily offended, um, I think that that's almost like a cultural difference between the two generations. Like mm-hmm. it, one of the two episodes that I heard, I heard you get offended over something that someone my age wouldn't be offended by, like it would be part of the conversation um, or even in talking about swear words with one of my grandparents, a lot of people my age use words that I'm um, uh, Now the music, the music, sorry, but the music from my generation offended the generation before me. I mean, you know, yeah. everything, as we grow older, we somewhat become more judgmental about things. But if, if your generation, your generation couldn't even handle the normal TV shows that we had back then, because that would be, you know, like weird. And I can't handle the TV shows from today. You know, I, I, they, they just don't make any sense, but you are the age of my youngest daughter. Just to let you, just, just to let you know that. So Star Trek I mean, original series is my favorite show for whatever that's worth. I know that that's an older TV show. Which one um, is it? What's it called? Uh, original series, Star Trek. Original. Oh, oh my goodness. All right. Yeah, all right. So, these these nerds my, were talking my, about this show my, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, my brother was a major Star Trek fan. Major, major time. So, I mean, I got you on that. I um, tune out when they talk about Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I wouldn't presume to see my story based on my age. I frequently feel isolated. Oh, you you don't feel like you don't feel comfortable in your generation. Is that what you're saying? I would say that because of my background, I don't feel um, comfortable anywhere, and I can chameleon my way through situations. But finding someone who is fully like-minded to myself is 
uncommon. Yeah, I, dude, I so much identify with what you're saying right now. Me too. I feel, I, you know, if I were to have to pick a group to where I feel more comfortable in it, it'd probably be like yours, whatever y'all's is. But y'all yeah. are different generations, right? Probably, yeah. then probably, right. probably yours. Okay. Yeah. The, the, uh, by the way, my, my youngest daughter turns 29 on the 16th this month. So happy birthday. Happy but, birthday. Um, yeah, on, on that, I know that your generation, if you don't mind me saying it that way, is having a lot of difficulty coming into their self more so because they're told to be offended by everything. They're told in a different, in a different way than we were. And it does cause quite a bit of conflict. I think that's part of the problem with that generation is that they can't even connect with each other. They're not taught that way. Like we were, we didn't have, you know, if, if we wanted to talk on the phone, we were at the house connected to a cord, you know, um, your generation had cordless phones. I, I'm talking about Zach, Zach's generation had cordless phones. You grew up with the internet at your fingertips and mobile phones. I mean, you know, that's, that's everything in your world. So just that difference in how we connect with each other is completely different. And, you know, Larry's old enough that there, it was smoke signals. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Larry, when do you think I got my first phone? When you got your first phone, let's see, it's your, uh, probably about seven, eight. And you're, and unless your dad was a hardcore or your mom was a hardcore, and then you probably had to wait till your teenage years. I'm going to say about 14 or I got 16. I got my first phone at 18. Uh, 18. Wow. When I tell you that you don't know my story, you truly, I am telling you, um, objectively, it is not the same. Um, and I think that because of that, I can often see both sides clearly. What I will say is, in saying that my generation is very easily offended. I think if you haven't listened to the articulated reasons for why something is or isn't offensive, then, and you haven't really like received that, I don't know that you can say whether or not the content is the warrant of that offense. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So what she's saying is, is maybe, maybe you're right that her generation it gets offended more, but she's saying that maybe you should listen to each individual case to see if that offense is okay, like if it's right or wrong. Because the way you're proposing it is that it's every time the, they're offended, say, it's it wrong. The whole generation, and she's saying, "Yeah, talk to me as an individual." Well, no, not just that, but she's saying just like maybe the people that you're seeing is getting offended. Maybe it's okay that they're getting offended. She's not even talking about herself in that specific aspect. You know what I mean? What, what, how do you, would you say you get easily offended, Catherine? Or how do you view offense in that way that, how do you view what Larry's saying right now? I guess. So I, I will identify things within a text as problematic. Um, and I think Larry might identify that as being offended, but I can still enjoy the text while identifying the problem within it. Yeah. So, like, I guess as an example, um, in watching Back to the Future, that's a fun movie. I love that movie. But within that movie, 
there is a sexual assault scene and that's aged really poorly. And I'm not, I don't want to say that that's offensive, but I feel like if you go back and watch that with your youngest daughter and think about what if that was her, that that might, I guess, illuminate why people find that problematic. I, I, I can agree. And I didn't actually hear the name of the movie. So say the name of the movie again. Back, oh, sorry. To, the uh, back to the future. Back to back the future. Because it's fun, right? It's, it's a fun movie, but yeah. it does have that piece within it that you watch and you're like, ooh. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. I know what scene you're talking about now. You know, I'm sitting here thinking about trauma, trauma now. Well, see, and I flash back to Saturday Night Fever because there was a sexual assault in that as well. I don't know why they think they need to put a sexual assault in almost every show that there is. Where there's like a man goes up and grabs a woman's butt and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. One way or another. It's got to, it, they feel like they got to put it in there on everything. Yeah. You can't hardly watch anything anymore without it. Yeah. And yet it's not appropriate and it's not acceptable behavior in any form or fashion trauma trauma so is handled that's offensive to you and it's offensive to me too yeah yes there you go definitely we found common ground right <laughs> yes we have found it yay you know i was sitting here thinking while you were talking that trauma is viewed much differently than what it's used to like back in back in my day right um i guess it maybe started but like for example if a young girl was sexually assaulted by someone most of the time they would they would quarantine that instance within the family and no cops would get called we're not calling the cops we live in this small town and if this gets out our family business yeah, is going to get that's why destroyed. it got as bad as it has yeah and then the trauma just built and built and built and the trauma before was like hey just don't talk about this just go and live your life and it, everything will be fine right and maybe it was and maybe it wasn't but now now we're we're teaching people to be loud about it like 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 dude i've taught my daughters i have two daughters and my biggest fear is because you can't protect them from everything my biggest fear though is that i'm creating an environment to where they feel like they can't talk to me about something like that because if something like that happens i want to know about it because i want to do what i feel like so i want to protect them you know i want to do what's best by them being, but, a, being a father of daughters, I understand that as well. Yeah. And I just think we view trauma differently. And I think, I think by everyone getting offended like that, by everyone getting offended, I believe most of it is in good faith. It's just we're wanting to protect our fellow humans. That's what, that's what offense is. Is it? I guess I'm just viewing it a little differently today, speaking to her. I'm, I'm viewing offense a little differently. Do I find it annoying sometimes? Yeah, but we've got to say, like, is it in good faith? Because we're trying to protect people because because they don't like how trauma was processed back in the day. What What do you think about what I'm saying there, Catherine? Right. I'm hearing you. I think we're in a similar place. And there have been times where I've offended people with, where I wish that I was heard all the way through, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, we're probably in similar places. If you would like free advice on having a relationship with your daughters where they would tell you about an, an instance of assault, I would be very careful with how you have conversations about purity because not every assault is a violent, obvious case where 
there is struggle. Um, and if you're placing a tremendous amount of value on purity, and I realize that's almost always from a place where you're trying to protect your child, um, that can lead to more shame than is warranted, if any is warranted at all, and can make it extremely difficult for a girl in particular to come forward if she believes that her value has been taken and uh, she's complicit. Oh, I get, if you're so basically what you're saying is because so, some churches, pre, uh, when they teach their daughter about purity, say that your value of a woman is basically gone. I definitely haven't. I don't definitely haven't taught my daughters that. That no, and so, but what she's saying is she sexually assaulted your daughter. Your daughter might not want to come to you because she she feels tainted now, and she doesn't want you to let you know that she's been particularly well, if you've driven home the the no sex before marriage. You know, you've got to remain a virgin. All of this obsessively driven that home. What she's saying is, it could not be a value a. a a violent sexual assault, it could have been just basically kind of just peer pressured into it. And it makes him think like, and, did I do something wrong or did well, they do something? The yeah. last person I'm going to go tell is my dad. I'm yeah. not going to go share with that. So, cause they feel like they were a part of it. Maybe yeah, even though they, they weren't, they feel yeah. like they're responsible and then dirty and their father will, you know, what's my dad going to say? Yeah. I had sex instead of, Hey, you know what? I, I was in a really uncomfortable situation here. That's, yeah, that's got to be a, that's a really the well, only the, way I, let me, I'll say this and then I'll be done with it. The, really the only way I'll, I'll let you guys into how I raise my daughters with the whole purity situation. And it's the same way I handle everything on this show and with everything else is based off of personal experience and why I think, here's why I think you should, here's why I think it's best. I don't even say you should wait till marriage. Here's why I think it's best to wait until marriage. And then, then I give them what I went through all the way there. I just think I could have wasted far less time if I would have been patient like God designed it to be and waited to find that right person that God gave me until I gave myself to them. But instead, I went off on this rambunctious journey and I and I explained to them in, a lot of pain. in, in yeah. detail of why I did that. So... I don't really, I don't really open the Bible and smash them over the face with it. I give them my personal experience of why I think um, God's rule there would have would have provided um, peace for me. But I've only said that a couple times too. Like you, if you sit there and tell them a hundred and fifty million times, I think it just shows that you're probably insecure about it, and and you're probably not living your life in a way that will teach them. Like you can't. You can't control the outcome of that stuff, dude. And that's scary and it sucks. Trust me. Having, and my girls are beautiful. So it's it's terrifying that they're going to make some poor decisions. But guess what? They're going to make some poor decisions. And that's scary. But if I feel like I can just give them my personal experience and live the best example that I, I know how, then I, I just believe that's the best way rather than being insecure and knocking them over the head with stuff you know at the time my daughter's my oldest daughter by the way Catherine, is 40 and uh, or well i'm sorry she will be 40 oh you forgot all right, that's not all right. she will be 40 in february i had to add, think this thing up she freaks out when i say that okay um she's gonna be 40 in in february anyway 
at the time that they were younger, I was not living right. I didn't, uh, it, it's a judge not kind of thing. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't being pri- uh, perfect in any form or fashion as an example. But the one thing that I have learned about that I didn't understand at that time frame is the spiritual ties that sex with a person has on your soul throughout your life. And that spiritual tie is what I would love to keep my granddaughters from experiencing. You've sp- and I you've don't felt- think that people take the time to explain what that actually means. That's why God puts such a stringent discussion in the Bible about it. You felt actual like physical um, markers of soul ties from people that you slept with. Oh yeah, I guarantee that you uh, can you can pop up the face of every girl you ever slept with. No way. Nope. Yep. Guarantee it. Guarantee no it. No way. No. Well. Yeah. We won't get it. And, and eventually, or at times, that person's face will just pop up in your memory and slap you in the face. Really? Yep, sure does. And then that's when you capture your thoughts and bring them under the, the submission of Christ and rebuke them because that's Satan getting back at you again. You, and you have to have that way. And if you if we actually taught not just girls, boys have that same thing. I'm I'm a guy. I I remember everything. And yeah. they, they pop up. It doesn't matter I don't want to step into this, but <laughs> hey, Larry, it doesn't matter. Did, it doesn't matter if it was a one night stand. It doesn't matter if you knew the person's name or not. That act will pop up in your head because Satan can use that to derail you. As let's go back to the word that she said. You know, offense. I have learned in my adult years lately, like recently, that offense is an option. There is a spirit of offense. If I choose to be offended, whether you mean it or not, if I choose to take offense to what you've said or done, then that is is harbored in mine, myself. And it will cause unforgiveness. And it will turn into bitterness. And it will create a lot more problems. Yeah. But if I act in forgiveness... And grace that God has shown me because he's not offended by me throughout the day because he shows me grace. So you believe offense is a choice? I know it's a choice. Catherine, I didn't believe that until recently. Catherine, do you believe offense is a choice? Like I said, no hills to die on, but I will say that that has not been my experience. That's what I'm saying. I'm sitting here thinking about what you're saying, and I'm thinking about the times that I've been offended. It's a feeling that you can't control, right? Like it's a feeling you can't control. But I guess how you respond to it, though, is the choice. But that's everything in life. Like anger, anger can be a feeling on the inside that has no response. You could just you could just push it and throw it away. I can you know? tell you that you can control it, and I'm going to give you this example. No, I agree. I agree. If, if you put your arm down here next to mine, and I blew on a cigarette, and tossed it in between our arms, what would your reaction be? I want to want to see whose arm pulls away the first. 
because it wouldn't be mine. So but you I'm, can control your reaction to that, to your flesh burning. I guess. Well, I no, I don't but know. But you can't control an offense. Ah, I beg to differ. You can yeah. control anything and every reaction that you have. You just have to want to. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Well, we won't get into that. Catherine, I'm, 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 I'm curious. One last question before we do the rounds. I'm curious. How do you feel when you're in church? What's going through your head when you're in church? Like what do you feel out of place there? It really depends on the environment I've been. Um, I, if I am planning on going to church, will at times experience everything from like nightmares to pulsatile tinnitus to um, a full panic attack at one point, which was paired with kind of delusional aspect. And so going to church remains extremely difficult for me. Um, Larry's talking about controlling your reactions. If I could control my reactions and my anticipation of church, I can absolutely control to a point what I do with my internal state, but my internal state is frequently outside of my control. And I would love it if I didn't have those symptoms because as a parent who wants my kids to be part of a church community, it's (laughs) my internal state creates a substantial roadblock between making that happen regularly. Um, So you have trauma, you have feelings, you have feelings like angst, anxiety, trauma, from church is it from the church you're going to now or is it from the one you grew up in it is it's very complicated it is not from the church that i'm at now but the fact that there is drama it still comes up um and if there was like a hard and fast formula for what makes it happen and what doesn't i would not have the struggle that i currently have do you pray um, on and off. Yeah. Same. Um, do you, have you ever asked God to give you a way to, to remove this trauma that you have or oh, yes. you have? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't answered you. No. Um, what I can tell you is, and that honestly, that's like the icing on my cupcake of internal struggles, but for a long time, I used spiritual discipline as kind of my key approach to things like sleep paralysis, um, extreme bouts of depression, um, suicidal ideation, and was incredibly discouraged, just profoundly discouraged when following kind of the instructions and the promised, like, do this, then this type formulas of church did not deliver for me. What I did find delivered was going to, I have a drink now and I have medication. And that really, really kind of opened the doors to beginning this return to church for me, as well as to not having the extreme depression or the ideation. Um, What I found was that a lot of what I had been identifying as like demonic persecution in my life from a secular vantage, was identified as mental illness. And by treating it with medicine, it went away. And hence, 
a point of um, trauma, I guess, between me and the church. That's good. That's I, that's really interesting, Catherine. <clears throat> As a person that's been through, um, I guess, what you could call exorcisms in my life, um, that's the direct laying on of hands and commanding, breaking of strongholds, breaking of curses, closing some gate, you know, closing some doorways that were open and, and, and people just laying on of their hands and casting the demonic assignments, the demons out of me, frankly. Um, I went through that process because what you described, I was experiencing. Um, and, you know, my wife as well. We, we both um, to, uh, went through that process. And um, she got great relief. In fact, I'm going to share a little bit of her story. I hope it's okay. Um, she went into Christian counseling and the woman <laughs> listened to her for what? Five, 10 minutes. And she said, I, you don't need counseling. You need deliverance. You're being oppressed. And it turned out to be true. My wife had had experienced some trauma in her life. And it, it's like you described, it's this bubbling like cauldron right underneath the surface. And you don't know what it is. that's going to break through and it all comes out and overwhelms you. Um, and what we discovered, at least for us, was it was demonic. We were being, God knows um, where we're going. And Satan, <clears throat> he's in, he's all about making sure we keep, he keeps, he keeps God's game pieces off the board. And um, certainly for us, we weren't out there working for God and Jesus, um, before this, um, we were crushed by our own, um, trauma, uh, depression, uh, self-loathing, but then also, um, anger, loads and loads of anger, um, uh, hopelessness. A lot of that was removed that way. That's why it's interesting to hear you talk and say that you, you found it secularly through medication and, and psychological help. Did you ever try um, full-on uh, spiritual intervention, like like um, deliverance? Like a Pentecostal exorcism, I'll tell you, and this may just be me, but I think that I have a profound lack of faith in the Pentecostal church in particular. This, um, oh, yeah. Well, I, the credibility has been stripped away from many of the people within it for me, and I think that without really believing in the capability of the people I would seek out, that that would be detrimental. Potentially, yeah, you don't more trust it. Yeah. Adding to the pile, I guess. Yeah, if you if you didn't believe um, that that would be a problem. So the way that it's commercialized, like in the movies, like from c Catholic, um, but this is more like not really an exorcism. It's more like deliverance, right? It's called deliverance ministries. And I, I went to one before. I don't know if I ever told you guys that, but I went to one before too. Um, last year, probably right near, near springtime. And, um, it's much different than what you see on TV. They're basically, what they say is basically that they believe that we had opened some door doors that allowed demonic, to not necessarily come in and possess you or they don't own anything in you, but you open some doors and allowed them to come it in. Gives them authority. Yeah. And basically what you're doing by going in there to is you're, you. you're can't, you're canceling those contracts that you've made with those and then you're kicking them out. 
essentially is what it is. Um, yes, I'm sorry. I used the wrong word. Nobody, I mean, was nobody was like manifesting demons right. while I was in there. Um, nobody was screaming and turning upside down, their eyes turning green, throwing up, stuff like that. Um, so as far as it being like commercialized, it was like that. But um, I don't know. Um, she's what Catherine's saying, though, is like she is dealing with so much tra- trauma right now. And medication's giving her so much relief that she's afraid of going in putting herself into this high speed intense situation like this. Cause she's afraid it would give her more trauma. Does that make sense? Because I would almost agree that, that going to deliverance like that, it would be worth something worth giving a shot. But I also understand your position to where you've already dealt with that trauma and how scary it would be to go into that high speed situation. Cause do, I mean, wouldn't you agree that deliverance is probably one of the most intense things <laughs> That you could go through, yeah, and, and that was for us, and and we went completely outside our church. I didn't, I didn't. We researched the these group of people that do it, and and you know, once you're in and you listen to them, they, you know, they talk you through it, and they talk about what they're going to do, and you realize you're in the hands of God and loving people who mean well and and stand upon the promises of what the Bible states, um, in Acts, um. And, you know, I mean, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but, you know, the experience was real for us. And, and I, but that's our experience. I can only speak from our experience. Yeah. I think um, many of what we call mental um, disorders are, are spiritual. Maybe. Spiritual. Uh, and, but like, that's the scary part is telling her to go seek that out. And then she meets up some, with some dummies up, you know, like that, that are, have, don't have good intentions. That's why I wish they're, I wish everybody could experience church right here. Catherine, if you're ever in Oklahoma, we're in Yukon, Oklahoma, and we're at a church called Discovery Church. Um, we've had several people that we've interviewed on the show come come through, and uh, we would love for you to come through too. I just feel like I wish everybody could experience what we experience here. You know what I mean? That way you can see that it's not all it's not all bad. We had a pagan witch too that like hated church that, um, this pagan witch that came into our church, she had trauma like you too. Um, she actually was, um, the last time she had went to church before she came in ours, she was super uncomfortable here. Um, at first, um, the last church she had went to, they had pulled her and threw her into a room against her will and tried to perform an exorcism on her because she was a pagan, and they forced her like kid. What? I mean, it's the literal definition of kidnapping, and threw her into a room and forced her onto a chair and held her there. And um, yeah, there's a lot of bad, 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 so, bad Christians out there. A lot. Yeah, my wife just said that sounds like spiritual rape. Yeah, it's not okay. It's not okay. Of course. So, Catherine, we're, I'm with you, girl. Um, I can only imagine how hard this is for you, and I'm sorry you're going through it. And I I don't know what to say other than I accept you. Um, you're welcome to talk to me anytime. Like, I I, I accept you just the way you are. I, I'm confident. I'm so glad you're being so honest and open about it. I'm, I'm so happy that I think that's so brave that you're doing that. I really do. I think that's super brave that you're being so open and honest about where you're at because it is much harder to be honest. It'd be so much easier for you to just put a smile on and pretend like everything was okay. And I think it's so brave what you're doing and 
and I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. So, okay, we're going to do something called the rounds. We're at the end of the show here and everybody's just going to say something. We're going to go around the rooms and say something in closing. And then at the end, after everybody's done, you're going to get your final thoughts and you'll get to say something in closing, whatever message you want the listeners to know. So Mark, go ahead. Uh, hey, Catherine, I just, um, thanks for coming on. It's, it was interesting to hear you say, you know, I, I feel, uh, kind of sadness and longing in my heart for you to experience a true relationship with Jesus Christ. It feels like you go into the times you have gone into church. There's a, there's a very large disconnect there. Um, it sounds like the dogma of the church and religion has perhaps blocked you, um, from that, that spiritual experience. And, um, you know, living a life um, with some of the tenets of Christianity that you've talked about, like the golden rule and treating everybody with kindness and, and treating people the way you want to be treated is a beautiful thing. And, and, and that'll give you a good, a good life on earth. But, but you know, my concern, my deep, deep concern is for your soul. Um, Because, you know, it's my belief. That's what this whole earth adventure is really about is our souls. And I, I just hope that, you know, at some point, some quiet moment, you know, Jesus, Jesus comes and finds you and speaks to you and, and, uh, and leads you to a close, you know, personal relationship with him. Um, and that's all I've got. Thanks. Larry. Catherine, uh, during hard times, our faith tends to dwindle and it's easy to grow angry and harden our hearts to the truth about ourselves. There is an antidote to this problem. It's the Word of God, which has spiritual power to penetrate the depths of our heart. God knows everything about us, even as the things that we try to hide from ourselves, we can count on Him through His Word to uncover the problems and show us the truth we need to see them then it's our responsibility to respond to the truth as he shows us. In Hebrews 3, 7 and 8, this is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested God in the wilderness. Throughout our life, we've are given many, many, many opportunities to come into alignment with a relationship with Christ. Not the church, but Christ. And Christ is represented a representative in his word. In Hebrews, I mean John uh one fourteen it says that the word was made flesh. The word was with God in the beginning. That's John 1, 1. But he was made flesh. And the representative that we have of his flesh is the word. And the word is your Bible. When you begin a relationship with the Bible, he will literally help you find every bit of that right here in front of you. When we are depressed or struggling, when we feel that nobody cares about us or understands what we're going through, 
No person has gone to greater lengths to identify with us than Jesus Christ. Though he was limitless, though he was limitless God, he subjected himself to all our limitations. He lived in our world as a human being, and he suffered as we do. Therefore, he understands our pain, our suffering. From personal experience, he has been where we are, and he is both eager and able to help us. Man can't help us. Only Jesus can help us. So today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Yeah, that it? Cool. Okay. Um, I'll just, I'll just kind of, I'm just going to say that, like, I'm like in the same place as you right now that I understand how hard it is to sit here. Like I'm in a church right now and I'm around a lot of people that are much further along in their relationship with God than me. I had to admit a couple of weeks ago right here on this show that I don't love God as much as I love pretty much everyone else. And it's very hard. Everything in me, it would be so easy to come in here and, and just lie and just pretend like I loved God as much as everyone else. But eventually, someone that watches and is searching for the truth like you, Catherine, is going to be able to smell that on me from a mile away. And then I'm going to become a stumbling block for someone. And that's the last thing I want to do. I want to have real, authentic relationships with everyone and that includes God. And if that means that I'm not there yet, then I'm going to be honest with you about it right now. You know, I have bad doubts right now. I'm struggling with the concept of hell. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I believe in it. I don't, I, I sure don't want to believe in it, you know, and I, I'm in a church right now and I've submitted myself to pastoral leadership that, that they do believe in it. You know, and I'm struggling with a lot of theology right now. And um, I'm trying to find a way to love God the way I see my, um, to see my peers love him. And I'm hitting a roadblock right now. Um, and so, and where you're at, where you're being honest with that and you're being open with that, it's, um, it's brave. And I see it's very hard, and I appreciate the fact that you're doing that. Um, keep being honest. That's all I can say. Keep being honest and keep having an authentic relationship. And I don't see anywhere else that it could lead you besides the truth. And that's what I want to end up at, and I know that's where you want to end up at, is the truth. That's all I care about. I don't want up some made-up faction that I hope is real. I want the truth. That's what I want. So I love you and just know that you, that you're a, there's a safe space with me always. Um, and, um, yeah, the floor is yours. Um, yeah. Thank you to all three of you. I, I really respect the effort to try and provide a space to have conversation, um, in a world where, things are extremely divisive and it can be difficult to have platforms that don't quickly spiral into debate. Um, so I admire what you're aiming to do. Thank you for listening. 
thank you for your honesty as well. Um, I guess, and I want to kind of speak to Zach in particular, things that have encouraged me because I've been in a very similar place as you. And I realize I don't have the credibility to be like, try this, it works. But um, there's a, a Leo Tolstoy short story that is, it's, um, there's both an audio book if you have Audible or it's available through maybe your library. I don't know, but it's called Master and Man. It was about two and a half hours. And for me, just stories outside of my own culture about encounters with God have been extremely hopeful. And Say that again. What was it? It's called Master and Man. And I know saying read old Russian literature sounds like maybe the worst advice ever, but I promise it was so encouraging because if you're in a place of doubt, sometimes having encouragement from a Christian experience that is foreign but very real can be really encouraging. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you all. Good night. Um, and, yeah, enjoy the rest of your show and relationship together. You too, sister. Love you. Holler at you later. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Bye-bye. I have it. I'd, I identified way too much of what she was saying right now, dude. Way too much. I don't feel like I got to know her enough. I don't think we ask enough probing questions. I, I think, like to, I, I feel like you, Mark. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I feel like we talk too much. I, I, I would. I felt that way a couple times. Yeah, I would have liked to have known what brought her. She's suffering from something and my radar says somebody in the church heard her or, I, I wrote down church hurt. yeah because and i i would have liked to have dug into that and found find out what it was that that i mean a, a trauma a, a trauma response and we didn't hear that till close to the end a trauma response like that about going to church i mean that's 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 profound. Every time yeah. she goes in there too, but that's where, like, I don't want to probe. Like, if if she doesn't want to tell she me, like, want to share it. But like, I you know, Rick last ask. Rick last week just came out and said yeah, he, was he was just open cross dress. Like, yeah. if somebody wants to come open, that's fine. But like, you could tell she just had that trauma with it, and I don't want to spark that again. I'm just I'm grateful for what she did tell us. You know, oh, yeah, what she too. was comfortable. That's why I really think I think we need to do the question thing I was talking about earlier. I think it'll help us be more prepared. It'll eliminate times whenever we do think because in the last like probably five shows, this is probably like the third time I've thought that we've talked too much. Right. And I think it's probably because we get uncomfortable. I mean, you know, it's just, it's normal thing, but we have to take steps to eliminate that. And I think the question thing would help that. Yeah, could be. So, um, we're going to start doing that because, um, I think the hope, I think the hopeful thing on Catherine's part is the fact that she's in counseling. See, I always, there's a part of me and my spirit that says, Oh my goodness, you know, you're in counseling, you're going on pharmaceuticals. That's her story doesn't have to be mine. I think, oh my goodness, you know, to me, that's the way the devil gets his claws in us. But it sounds to me that at least her counselor is helping to draw her back to church. Maybe they're working through that drama and trying to integrate her back. And it sounds to me like she has a desire. She wants to be connected. Otherwise she wouldn't keep 
trying to go back. Well, just real. That's what I like about yeah. it is like, I've seen so many people fake a relationship with God, people that where they're at, where I'm at, mm -hmm. and then they pretend like they're at where he's at. Right. That's not okay, man. Right. If you're at where I'm at, just say it. And right. I don't care if anybody in this room or anybody in the world judges me. I don't care because I owe all everything to him. Right. That's it. Right. And he knows the truth. Right. right. And I don't need approval from anybody else. You know, mm -hmm. God, I know God wants me to be myself in here and I can't lie. I can't sit here and pretend like I'm some next level Christian because somebody's going to smell that crap all over me. You know what I mean? And like, like Catherine could have smelled that from a mile away, but I'm not, I'm not where he's at. Why, 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 why do you keep saying that? What? Because I feel like I'm where you are. Right. No, not where you keep telling no, me I am. What I'm saying is, if if I sat I'm there battling, and pretended to be some joyful, but I'm battling, gave it all to the Lord type, of, that, you, dude, you submit to God. You wake up every day, you put on the arm of God, and you submit your life to God. I but, do not do that. But He has all the same feelings you have. He He puts on the armor of God. So what you're saying is, Larry's actively in the fight. He He reacts to it differently. He's on than the dance floor. Yeah. You're sitting on the sideline. Yeah. You're still at the dance, mm -hmm. but you're sitting on the I'm bench. not fully submitted to God. You guys know. I've told you guys everything. I'm not. Yeah, like, but you, why not? Why Why is it well, I don't so know. much harder to <laughs> well, submit Larry, to God than fight him? Hey, Larry, this is what. I, I don't understand that. This is what I got to tell you. How old are you, Zach? Right. There you go. Get your pen ready. How old are you, Zach? Hold Get on your pen ready. How old are I'm you? 38. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Larry, where were you at at 38? Bar. Yeah. Okay. So. Second. Second. Nope. Third marriage. So I'm further so, along than Larry was at 38? Yeah. Oh. Hey, give me the pen. <laughs> so. Give me the dang pen. <laughs> so that's always what I say, and it's what my beautiful wife, who's sitting beside me and won't let me put a camera on her. Tells me, I don't know. I don't why. know why she's way prettier. Than I know. Tells me when I get on these things, how come this person can't see what is perfectly clear to me? Because you've had an extra twenty something years of it being driven into you and bit breaking and reforming and breaking and reforming. Right? That that's why, you know. And that's and then I have to look at my twenty eight year old, um, stepchild and think, where was I at twenty eight? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, we're trying. That's why I mentioned the generational gap there. And yeah. what I was talking about was simply because it's hard for me to see something from that, that point of view. Right. I mean, it really is. Well, you've grown because past I, that point of view a long I don't, time ago. I can't even remember right. what my point of view was. I know where I was right. at 28, but I don't remember what my point, point of, of view was. was. But I, I do remember that. Two things. I feel that she suffered some church hurt. Mm -hmm. I never have. Right. I mean, my my church hurt was like, you know, when I quit going, the pastor didn't call me. Okay, right. whoa, so right. big. Here you go. <laughs> you know, and that was it. Right. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I can't empathize because I've never been there. Right. Yeah. I can sympathize, well, but I don't. Make, but I also see the truth of the spirit of offense. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, when you choose not to be offended, you give no power to that spirit. Mm -hmm. And when you give no power to that spirit, it can't harm you. Yeah, right. yeah. You know well, that's why it says turn your cheek. Right. 
Take it and go. Well, it's just interesting. I, the dynamic is interesting. Wisdom, massive wisdom from you. And I think that's what Zach is saying when he says to be where you're at. He's talking about your wisdom, the things you've learned. I know in your head, you're going, man, I struggle too. You do struggle, but you've learned some things. I just think it's clear. That Zach hasn't learned. What yet. I'm saying is, is in the I think it's clear. Right. I think it's clear that you're farther along in your walk with God. And anybody can see that if we're both being honest. Right. If we're both being honest, it's clear. And I'm not saying this to boost your head up. I'm not saying that because it's all God that did it. I'm not saying that to boost your head up, but you're just, it's clear. It's the truth. It's the truth that you're farther along in your walk with God than I am. Okay. And if we were both being honest, now I could pretend all day that I was, I could come in here. I mean, I've got a roadmap. I've seen thousands and hundreds of thousands of examples of your clear cut book Christians. And I could come in here and I can pretend all day and I could pull the wool over most people's eyes. But what I'm worried about is me. I can genuinely tell when someone's BS and it may take some time, but I can usually tell. And when people do that, they pretend like they're big dog Christian, they're on the board and they do all this stuff and they're just the biggest, biggest dog Christian in the world. And then I see that they're not, that's not the truth. That's a huge stumbling block for me. I agree. That is for anybody. And so that's what happened to all the televangelists, evangelists besides one. Yes. One. And you and I were talking about that. Billy Graham. Well, we were working together. Well, we were working together. I brought that up with Mark and I said, you know, I went to my grandma during that time frame and I wasn't living for God at the time. I still knew God. I mean, I was, it was after my first marriage. I'm pretty sure. But your BS detector was very But, you know, swagger dropped. Uh, Baker Baker dropped, yep. and then there was a couple other lesser thans. Oh, I mean, there's big ones now yeah. that drop all the time. Ravi Zacharias. Well, yeah, but they, they they don't matter I now mean, like they did then. Then back then, that was the beginning of the televangelistic. They're huge uh, now. Uh, yeah. Expedaliodocious, whatever I was saying on that. But the uh, the I went to my grandma and I said, Grandma, what are we supposed to believe in if all the pastors are dropping? She goes, Do you believe in the pastor? Or do you believe in God? Yeah. Keep your eyes focused on God. Yep. Don't follow man, follow God. Right, you follow man, they're going to fail you. But yep. what, what I'm saying is, here, here's and, what. And at that point, Larry ignored what his grandmother said, put, put the hypocrisy of those guys in his back pocket and went to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go get drunk. Shut up. Shut that pastor up. did it. I'm just saying. Larry's been young, and, too. And the ironic thing is, I was probably about 27, 20. Eight years old yep. at that time. Here's what's crazy about this whole situation, right? So whenever I talk to you about what I'm going through and stuff like that, and you're you're dumbfounded by it, you're like, why would you ever want to follow your own will and not follow yourself? You know how many t- a times a day that I'm dumbfounded by me? And I'm being serious. Like, I sit here and go, Zach, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You've got you to gotta step forward. you got to do this. Like, um, you've got to do this. You're live. You've done, I've been here before, bro. I've been here before where God, the Holy Spirit, was sitting here punching me. And then he starts going like this. Then he starts going like this. And then it starts going. And then it starts going like that. And I know where it ends. God's going to get his way eventually. And I'm sitting here talking to myself the whole time saying, like, you idiot. And we, and we laugh about it. We think it's funny, but there's going to come a point where if I don't do what God says, it's not going to be funny anymore. 
Wasn't that straight up out of the Bible? Doesn't doc, God talk about the bit in the mouth? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. So your textbook, buddy. So yeah. I, I look and at what it. Happens when a, what happens when a horse gets abused because he won't obey where the bit goes? It rips his lip. Uh, yeah. It breaks the back of his teeth. Yeah. I'm not going to have it a can, ear line it when I'm done with it. dislocate his jaw. Yeah. I mean, if the guy jerks. The, the bit's still going. Enough, or or <laughs> yeah. if he pulls against the lead rope. Yeah. That's tied to the post. He can actually dislocate his jaw. I'm choking on the bit Wisdom. right now, and I'm going. It's fine. Keep going. Right. <laughs> yeah. see, but we're fine. I mean, listen. What we see on the outside, okay, and what we hear you say, will never be equal to. You're in your own head. The reason, you know the thoughts you're having. We're not. We don't yeah. know the thoughts. It's literally turmoil. That's all I can explain to. It. It's constant turmoil. I have no peace. I I I've imagine. Hey, I, I imagine it's like a race car, or uh, you know, a racetrack in his head. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. but it's a demolition derby. I'm imagining from the seventies. I'm imagining a little squeaky wheel with a gerbil on it. No, yeah, demolition derbies are fun, bro. That's my head. Demolition oh, okay. derbies are fun. Yeah. And but, it's the Bible right here, and the gerbil just keeps chasing it. That's what, what I want. I want to be that right now. I mean, I want to be Simple. completely, um, what, what did they call it? One, one-sided, one-focus, one myopic? Yeah. No, myopic is, is myopic one-focus, or is myopic one-focus on myself? Myopic is... I think tunnel vision, tunnel vision. Right. I want tunnel vision. And right. that's, that would be a beautiful thing. That's why they talk about putting blinders, the blinders on, on horses is so that you don't see all the stuff coming there. But I, yeah, I want, I want that. Yeah. Right. All I see is God and what God wants me to do. Yeah. But sometimes I don't know what God wants me to do. I just know he wants me to do. Here's the way I look at what I'm going through right now. And from hearing you talk, Mark talk, and then from me just sitting around and thinking about it and evaluating it is there's obviously some sort of like impurity in me that needs to be broken because I can't force myself to want to go do these things. I can't force myself to want to submit. I can't force myself to submit to God. You know, I can't just force it. You know, there's obviously some sort of trait in there that's God's trying to break out to where I can because honestly at the end of the day I want it to be easy to submit to God you know you could you probably know that I want it to be easy you don't think I'd every time God asked me to go pray for someone I was when I was running you don't think I want to say yes like and it be easy heck yeah dude you don't think every time God calls me to the front or God calls me to pay for this person or God calls me to do this every single day you don't think I want for that stuff to be easy for me to do you bet I do man I want to be that vibrant awesome strong leader that always just goes through head forward everybody's like dang look at that guy like look at him man he's really fortified and God's really strengthened him and but I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Man. Now, this is interesting. I want to say this. We got the word myopic wrong. Myopic means lacking imagination, foresight, or intellectual insight. No, you got it right. That's Larry. No. <laughs> Near-sighted. You know what? What does the Bible say? God's wisdom is foolishness to what? The world, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe being a little spiritually myopic would be a wonderful thing lacking imagination just give me the facts 
Because my imagination, I don't know about you, but it's my imagination that gets me in trouble because I imagine all kinds of garbage yep. that's not biblical. Yeah. And that's the stuff I spin and toil and grind over. Things that'll never happen. Yeah. Or things that aren't important. Yeah. Effectively not important. I've got, I, I'm not myopic. I've got my lenses all completely screwed up. I'm focused on all this crap out here. When, like Larry was saying, the way I want to be is God's given me all truth. Everything can be weighed against this. I don't have to be so imaginative. I could just relax, read the truth, and try to operate it the best I can. You yeah. want direction. the results to him. You want directions? Go to Proverbs. Yeah. I right. mean, it tells you a plus and a minus on almost every every issue, right? And it and it's simple to read. It's simple to understand, and it, it covers almost everything. And if it, that doesn't cover it, then you got Psalms and you got uh, Song of Solomon. You've no, just, not Song of Solomon. Uh, uh, um, Ecclesiastics. Right. You get, all of that is giving you the wisdom that God offers you right there in his word to follow your life after. And, like, and one of them like says, it. only a fool says there is no God. Period. Right. Okay. Well, we are at 205.24. I think we wrap this one up. What do you say? I agree. Okay. Larry, take us out, bud. Give me one second. For every home has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Jesus loves you, and so do I. <laughs> Thank you for watching and listening. We're out. Thank you for watching or listening all the way to the end. To be a guest on the show or to get a hold of us, please contact us at info at helpmyunbelief.org. And more importantly, make sure to check out new episodes every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Central.